Hello, everybody. This is uh, Politico with Juan Collado Dia, a Spotify original uh, from Anchor.fm. Today, we're going to be talking about climate change, global warming, uh, deforestation, and other um, climate and mother earth related topics. Um, the guest for today is Jeremy. Jeremy's a climate activist here in the city of Cleveland and outside of Cleveland, pretty much all over the U.S. himself. So do you want to introduce yourself? You just told me a little bit about yourself, the work you do and the campaigns and organizations you're involved with. Wow, this is great. I mean, the, the political scene around here, I've seen you at my marijuana justice rallies and then, of course, responding to the, <clears throat> to the um, devastating blow to women's rights that, that we endured through, through the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade. So I'm I'm extra informed by your podcast, but but my whole background is uh, you know been about sustainable land use since I went to school at Ohio U and Akron U, um, but I didn't. Um, I've been more like independent and not working as like a land use planner for any of the official like agencies yet. You know, because I didn't get my, I didn't go to grad school, so I just like, um, you know, I've been focused on my Cleveland Akron activist career as doing a lot of outreach for the hemp industry prior to the 2016 legalization that was signed in the Farm Bill. So as a lead importer of Canadian hemp seeds to Northeast Ohio, you know, I, I held down like a snacks line for a long time and helped helped you know grow markets for hemp seeds and cbd i like to think we made you know some kind of impact with as much vending as we did and making the coffee shops and the yoga studios um you know they made money selling my stuff while i wasn't charging enough so we had we had that whole experience and it helped coffee shops educate people about hemp so i'm all about like the placement of hemp and like sustainable options i mean for sure we got to be for a sustainable options these days this day and age which is why i really appreciate your address to city hall on city council about what's going on with these balloon releases because the materials are being found along the great lakes rivers and now You know, we've got all this activity with um, the Ohio Sea Grant has uh, a plastics removal campaigning and the the Ohio EPA has a litter grant program I was just looking up. So there's a lot of good, you know, leads on getting some of this cleaned up. I mean, and for climate, I've done the... um, actions with the palm oil deforestation most recently in Chicago and in Cincinnati we're asking Procter and Gamble and Oreo Cookies company to cut ties with certain certain forest devastating and rights violating uh, uh, whatever paper mills and these logging mills that are happening in Borneo and the Sumatra. So that was very extremely profound. I'm going to try to go to the um, next Procter & Gamble action that is planned. I'm not sure if it's a shareholder meeting. I'm going to wait to find out, but it's a big deal. Um, So those those native tribes are called the Long Isun region in Borneo and the Batak people. B-A-T-A-K. So I actually, in, in Cincinnati, I got to meet one of the environmental campaigners that's like successfully saved like 17,000 acres in Sumatra and is like pleading with Procter & Gamble to cut ties with this TPL and it's called Shutdown TPL <clears throat> Rainforest Action Network um, Conflict Palm Oil Campaign. So that was just like extremely profound. I... Um, just got to be involved with that this summer after spending a lot of time, you know, uh, working the line at the Kimball Solid Waste Recycling Plant. 
And when I worked there, I got a chance to salvage um, extension cords so the copper doesn't have to be because, you know, China is trying to build so many new copper mines. And if we don't get to this copper, you know, it's bad news for our our indigenous lands and our First Nations tribes. And so I know one, I mean, is there any, uh, do you want to talk about any like certain yeah, other so, non-profit groups you've seen around Cleveland? Or Yeah, so going to that uh, topic, I wanted to ask. So you've been mostly involved uh, currently. There is um, a situation with the current Cleveland Park, uh, Cadell Park, and they're trying to as we both know, remove the trees. You got me, you introduced me to this and got me more familiar with it. They're trying to remove the trees. They're trying to uh, take the basketball court down to create a parking lot. The city of Cleveland is very well known for deforestation. Uh, city council has approved a lot of like trees removal. They have approved a lot of parking lots over green land and, um, you know, making our 15 minute city doesn't work yeah. because you know, the deforestation and the parks being taken away, the green spaces where people use for, you know, not just go and play, but it's used for people's mental health, it's used for people's pets, it's used for like community meetings, it's, it's safety in their community, it's chosen the community need them. So is there anything you want to share? Like, I know we've been doing a lot of work for that. Uh, how do you feel specifically about it? What do you think a better solution for city council will be um, and all that? Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah, this was... This was, this has been like, you know, it's very, it's getting very nitty gritty and, and nail biter because the Detroit Shoreway area, which is just like a central zone of Cleveland and people are through there. I don't live around the area and the members of city council, I mean, the members of the school board, I think have been a little um, dogging me for being from South Euclid and, and addressing their their um, forest issue at their board meeting for the Cadell neighborhood, Friends of Cadell Commons. And I just, um, it just so happens that the guy I volunteer with at Food Not Bombs was like one of the lead campaigners out front of uh, City Hall, uh, the school board at the, um, at the first protest I went to, which was a little bit like I, I even just found out about this in, you know, the past few months. It's been brewing like, what, like two months? I just heard about it recently, but the neighbors are extremely um, upset with the, the consultancy group that they don't feel got the engagement meetings as of March 2022. The school board was proposing a drawing that didn't build over the park and when the neighborhood association group for Cadell Edgewater put that on their Instagram as, as like an old post and I commented on it I'm pretty sure they removed the post it was like on a slide that wasn't the first slide and I, I I'm pretty sure they removed it to kind of stave off the scrutiny that <clears throat> that the neighborhood's been <laughs> Um, you know, examining this. So it's actually, there's actually been, you know, you know, uh, there's a whole committee that has countersued the, the, the city district. I mean, the CMSD. Yes, they have sued CMSD and the city, actually. There's a um, also restraining order. Um, Dennis Kostanich, um, former Cleveland mayor, got involved into that and, you know, give us the hand to protect the park. But I, to my knowledge, that's temporary. So I know most of us say we will even tire, like chain ourselves to trees, which is not something new. That I mean, I've done it before plenty of times in, when I used to live in New York. I don't see it as something new to me. I don't know how new it is you know, to other people, but we're willing to do it. We're willing enough to go for it and save the park. You know, and this is one of the many ways that I think Cleveland claims to be such a green city, but this is one of the many ways that we are really showing that we're not. Another one is, and we've both been huge in this one, is the balloon releases. We've seen, you know, balloon releases happening all over the city. Um, and after the Balloon Fest of 89, everybody knows that Cleveland, specifically like any other city, uh, should not have balloon releases. But Cleveland, more than anybody, 
should not have balloon releases whatsoever after they kill people literally with balloons. I mean, started car accidents, hurt people with it, but they keep doing it. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and if, if people are trying to forget what happened somehow or in, that there's, there's folks who, you know, didn't catch wind of <clears throat> the kinds of problems going on with plastic bags inside camels and whales and, you know, and, and there's been several good, you know, viral posts about the sanctuary animals that choked on the balloons and I feel like there's been a lot of feel-good energy. I, I started following Balloons Blow on Florida and I think they were so in Florida and I think they were so intense that they got burned out at some point but uh, they're on one of the platforms I use that hashtag balloons blow is a good one but just uh, you know because it's uh, you know it, it's it's overlapping with just people are having the dumbest the dumbest reasons there people are starting new reasons to release balloons we saw you found a, a gender reveal one and uh and an easter one just through uh facebook stories and honestly i i'm glad i don't follow the woman anymore that released so many balloons so frequently that she blocked me when I asked her to please stop littering. I, I'm sorry you lost. I'm, it's completely tragic that you lost your son, and I'm sorry you're not feeling well, but please stop littering. I mean, that's all I said. Uh, that's all I said. And I had to say it because, you know, I had seen like three balloon, uh, like six different balloon releases on her Facebook story over the course of like March 2022 to September 2022 and some of them she was sharing were like um you know ones that she would like relive her old releases <laughs> the level that she's taken it to has just been so ghastly and so like unsettlingly wasteful and like you know like she's trying to outdo the last balloon, <laughs> balloon release you know and when she posted her um, receipt that she got over $300 worth of balloons from Party City, I mean, like, I had to screenshot that and send that to city council and say, look at who's not complying with the balloon release ordinance, which I believe that my other friend who introduced us, because she's, she's a, you know, a tore up person through her mourning of her sons, but, you know, the friend who introduced us also had said something about the balloons. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, as I mentioned to Cleveland uh, City Council in my um, my speech that I gave them, you know, the, the Balloon Fest of 86 was pretty much like a genocide event of natural habitats. Like, I mean, you know, it would kill marine life like crazy. Um, people, like, people died that day, too, because of the Balloon Fest. And were you serious? Yes, uh, that was uh, some people that were pretty much injured and a couple deaths because of the injuries and stuff. So the Balloon Fest of Cleveland showed enough as of today, you know, that it took so long for them to create a law. And in 2022, they made a law. So almost 35 years later from the Balloon Fest, uh, they made a law and they're pretty much not following the law to the extent that it should be. They're creating new, like, ordinance and policies to get the law more, you know, to actually pursue punishment to the people that are doing balloon releases in Cleveland, which is what we want from the beginning, instead of just creating yeah. a senseless law, you know, and they didn't do anything. But once they created this, it's helping, I guess, a little more to spread the fear that if you release balloons, you will be punished, which is a good thing to do. Um, at the same mm -hmm. time, I don't know exactly how. And while we're on, while we're on the topic, I just want to go over how thorough I tried to be because the health department has a form where you can uh, complain about an accumulation of litter. So after I went to the police station in the district where the shopping plaza where one of the balloon releases had happened, and I told him, 
you know, I have evidence of an infraction from my friend's Facebook story and can, and he refused to investigate. He didn't launch an investigation. This first officer, uh, because he said we, they needed to be called to the scene of the crime during the infraction. Well, let's have all of our anti-litter people somehow get invited to all of these, and that's how we'll do it. You know, it is really like, you know, it's just unsettling that there's these kids are littering. They're showing little kids to litter. Yeah, I mean, right? I, I, I don't know if you remember, I also mentioned there was a person in Cleveland that uh, did, um, and I'm pretty sure city council, one of the council people was involved. I want to say it was Jenny Spencer, but she's also like the Cadell person. I want to say it was her, but uh, this event, they released, I think it was like 30 balloons for Earth Day. So they were having an Earth Day celebration and they released balloons on an Earth Day celebration, which I was like... Wait, whose day? Do you feel at liberty to say on this public forum? I can't remember the person's name. I have to look it up. I believe I sent you their um, information um, on a message, but I can't remember their name. I just remember that I have them on Instagram and I saw the video and I saw the council person in there. So I was like, that is awful. You know, city council is there and the council like member is literally allowing this, which... Shows also that our council people don't know the law and don't care enough about the planet to stop balloon releases or the wait, wait, what happened? Sorry, you got to back it up on your on our this special pod. But what did the the city council person not do? Or she was she was present. She was just there, and she didn't do anything about it. That's the whole problem. She was there in person, and you know it was an Earth Day event, which also to me it's like on Earth Day maybe you plant trees like most like organizations in, like West Park does it or Brooklyn does it I mean they plant trees on their celebration but this group and I, I know it's someplace I want to say uh, that's like Ward like my god I think it's Ward 10 I want to say maybe I don't know exactly which Ward is hers I think it's Ward 15 actually uh, 15 might be so whatever her little like Ward is she's been you know, she's been to that event, and that event was supposed to be Earth Day, organized by the community, but instead, they released balloons, which I was like, okay, how much does city council actually cares? They don't care enough, I guess. And then, this year, they're, they have come out with a couple, like, different ways to create online forums, or online forums where you can actually report the situation, and the person will, if you have enough evidence, the person will be fine for their, like, actually for the crime that they're committing which is releasing balloons yeah right i mean they're gonna have to start advertising like they advertise the dumping along the highway uh it carries five hundred thousand dollar fine i th- i saw that fine was going up the the dumping along the highway and uh it's just the darndest thing when when the city sustainable department, you know, has a zero waste division, and I just, I just think it's important that they that the city fulfill the crackdown, the, the crackdown. And I, I do want to share that the the murder victim of East Cleveland, um, Marco, his killer is at large. And I did share. I could try to drop that. There was a like. So we have a goodwill effort to help this family who's mourning, but um, and to help help them find this guy. Um, what is Marco Toler? T O L E R. Um, who's killer? I mean, there's there's that which was um, you know. So you know, we want to get the uh, Tamir Rice Foundation on board with this forests and trees things because the the honorary butterfly garden to Tamir is right there on the other side of the park and of course like it would conceivably be easier to move the butterfly garden than these ancient trees these near ancient trees actually the interesting what we learned was so interesting about the, the iconic tree canopy at Cadell Park is that this because the giant cypress looks so giant, but it's two trees fused at the trunk, so the so it looks older, but because they're younger trees, 
Um, it's not that old. It's not. I mean, it's over a hundred years old, I think. Um, anyway, that's on the petition. Change.org. Save historic Cudell Park. C U D L E L L. And the um, the hashtag you got for that looks looks stellar, Juan. Absolutely. I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna put that information also in the podcast. Um, link description so people actually can yeah yeah i mean darndest thing but you know we need leaders from you know broader communities i think you know the faith groups we really want like that attorney uh attorney crump to oppose balloon releases and, and al sharpton because they're there with the mourning families but some of these other just yeah i hope that we can at least get the the ordinance to affect how many balloons those party centers can sell and if they have like a way to flag people in a system as a balloon releaser um they can be barred from i know it's it would be an advanced approach but uh if, they, if it's, it's illegal to reduce redu- release more than 10 balloons at a time then I think the stores should have some kind of cap or like if, if, if they're selling more than 10 balloons, they have to get something saying it's at an indoor event of people who are going to be supervised that it's not released. Because I understand people set up these balloon walls for their their galas and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. I think that um, having balloon releases like in an outdoor setting and like i know cleveland had their 10 like you know 10 balloon limit they shouldn't even have a 10 balloon limit they should be like zero but you know giving the they're giving you the right to to do 10 balloons that should be enough um there's no reason to release like 30 40 balloons on top of that there's i believe as you said like places like party city dollar tree that actually sell helium balloons walgreens cbs uh should have a policy where if you're buying balloons you should have like as you said evidence there should be like an evidence that it's an indoor event if you're buying more than 10. If you're buying less than 10, then, you know, whatever. Screw it. But, you know, if you're buying... Yeah, more, I mean, that would be great. But they would have to pass that where, like, you know, oh, the, the company has the waiver form handy and that you're informed that it's illegal to release balloons in Cleveland and you have to, you know, but that's that would be asking, you know favors of these corporations which chances are they won't do them because they it's it's capitalism they have to capitalize out of the situation and the best way to capitalize is pretty much destroying the planet that's their (laughs) that's their way to do it (sighs) i'm just saying i just i said shout out um you know we got the plastics valley alley going up here in the appalachian eastern ohio and this border with uh pa where i'm glad to see uh the fracking activists uh following the state parks i was uh one of the really good good things we got done for water in recent years was getting the state to stop using the radioactive de-icer. That was in the Rolling Stone article, America's Radioactive Secret, because this this garbage waste brine, you know, it's just such a big issue with Ohio and how much of this waste brine we're bringing in. And my allies with uh, this like citizens group in uh, 614 Cebus, they have put together a whole white paper on like I'm just so proud of uh, another podcaster, Carolyn from Grassroot Ohio. Definitely shout out to her and her environmental interviews, which are just always uh, very informative. And so they've been working so hard to protect Columbus water from from frack waste. Shout out to them. We got a got to testify to the Senate, the Ohio State Senate Committee. So me and some other pro-water, anti-cancer people are on video on the Ohio channel um, doing that. And we were proud. I think we've had two winters now 
without that being used by ODOT, but I believe it is still for sale. So certain contractors can use it as long as it's reported to the ODNR. So the ODNR does basically oppose it, but I talked to Representative Casey Weinstein of Chicago Falls, and you know he's one of the few who will even mention it on their feeds and say that this is an issue. You know, so major shout out to just people who are transparent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, DeWine hasn't been transparent about rack waste. Yeah, he's not, he's himself, not, he's really good at he's really good at advocating for things that are right, at least in Ohio. So that's one one good thing. He's uh been very vocal about environmental issues, um, cannabis issues and stuff like that. So I would say like big shout out to him for you know putting his uh mind where it belongs and going out for sure. <laughs> As a are you talking about who? Um Weinstein. Oh, Weinstein. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about DeWine. I was about no, to no, no, no. DeWine, DeWine no. I'm Mike DeWine. Um, there's things that I want to say that I cannot publicly say in a podcast about Mike DeWine, um, starting with the way they handled the uh, East Palestine um, uh, train wreck. Uh, I think that was uh, one of the worst handlings of Ohio ever. I mean, on top of um, all the crap that Cleveland has done. But yeah, um, with that, actually, I wanted to, uh, you know, since we're talking about the government, do you think, how do you think the government can play a role or like, you know, promoting environmental sustainability? Is there a way that they can do that? What do you think, since yourself being an environmentalist, what do you think is the best way for them to play that role? Well, I, I mean, there's there's been some good track things with the, uh, the uh, Youth Climate Corps news and um, you know, a handful of places that are better protected under Biden. Uh, but the, uh, the, you know, when, when Nancy Pelosi was asked, she said that they would make the defense department green. And since the Pentagon is this mega emitter, the largest emitter, I mean, you're right that, that it's got to, it's got to change. And I think, you know, ending the Cleveland Air Show is just completely like the most baseline thing they could do. Could we stop gallivanting around the, the planes in the sky just just to observe them in the sky? Like, let people watch a video of some other, you know, some previous... I agree. The, the Cleveland Air show. show takes so much... I mean, it's not just... You know, environmental justice also means housing. And it takes so much money that it could be put into Cleveland housing stock. I was walking the other day downtown Cleveland, and it's like so many homeless people in the past few years. Cleveland, you know, and we put this air show that pollutes the air, destroy, like literally destroys like the air quality of our city. And then we have, on top of that, you know, the money that's spent on gas and the fossil fuel that has to be used to create that gas and all that for that. The... You know, it doesn't contribute anything but making a couple people in the world happy, which is like, I don't care pretty much about this airplane show where you could be put in, you know, a bunch of houses for the homeless. You don't have to even make like huge houses, just make good enough houses that they can live in. You know, has one bedroom, two bedroom work and even apartments, make apartments if it works. But don't put your money towards something like an airplane show where it's just worthless. Once a year, you're spending over like $5 billion on this BS. And yeah, the Cleveland airplane, wow. show, um, actually NEOC and I believe uh, IRTF Cleveland also released um, a slideshow that shows all the money spent on that and on the airplane show and how much could be used to like give to Clevelanders. Like there's housing, food, sustainability. I mean, parks, everything you can build with that money but it's given to an air show so yeah that's one of the things and you know it's 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 pretty much a capitalist way to get around because then they can sell like parking spaces or like something like that so people can go and see it well and as far as pr events goes that's what my you know my my former service friend uh you know she that was what what stood out to her is that it's essentially, you know, something to keep the military on people's minds so that they 
will be, you know, so that the recruiters can appeal to them um, is another one who's, you know, with that, with the recruiting. But uh, no, I mean, this year it's, it's so important to be environmental in the farm bill. And, you know, my heroes are like people like Dr. Mark Hyman and Food Babe and people who've been fighting like Moms Across America group that's been against Roundup herbicide, you know, for the this whole time. And I'm a few chapters into this book about Roundup herbicide called Toxic Legacy by Dr. Seneff, Stephanie Seneff. And it's it's extremely profound, like the effect it's having on all these microbes and these steps in our enzyme metabolism and people are at risk of B vitamin and tryptophan deficiency um, and gut dysbiosis. A lot of disorders can come from these uh, <clears throat> the effects of Roundup. So I, you know, I've been happy to either try to look for organic wheat and oats or try to get made in Italy pasta because they, they, they were getting rid of Roundup in 2016. And I heard some good news that might it might be slowing down in Canada or France, but there's a lot of activity around that. And so I suggest, you know, us in Northeast Ohio, our representatives, Chantel and uh, Max Miller from Wayne County are on the Agriculture Committee as well as Senator Brown. So just send in your appeals. I I, I <clears throat> think there's a strong incentive to do like No Mo May and leave the leaves uh some of my favorite groups that could just work on that uh, front yard as a park kind of movement with the uh it's called midwest grows green and since i heard from them about the effects of 2,4-D in the lawn chemicals and what what an urgent thing this was that was um you know corresponding with an uptick in pet cancers so I, I, I've sent off my environmental letters now. We're asking university hospitals to stop using lawn chemicals. And we're asking um, the Metro Health System of Cuyahoga County to stop sponsoring the, uh, what's it called, the air show. Yeah, can you tell yeah. me there? I, I know. It's the a, hospital. It's so much money for it. And they don't have money for their equipment or the hospitals. And, oh my gosh, this is um, one of the... Um, horrifying things of Cleveland and I you know pretty much you talk about the GMO so like pretty much I was going to ask like what's your opinion but you pretty much gave me your opinion on it uh, in the past uh, minute so do you do you think do you have a specific approach for yourself that you want to share with people when you know confronting or convincing individuals like policymakers, senators what what do you think is the best approach to convince them to change policies to make them greener i mean we want it you want to mix it like partly like with feel-good energy of saying we'll be so happy to award you with our environmental ribbon you know <laughs> i mean we've we've been through that spectrum of being like you know disruptive and upset with um you know like it's there's it just depends situation by situation. I can't say because like, look at, look at what happened with Illinois and the, the prairie outside the Rockford airport. I mean, this was a public agency entity that, that gets public tax dollars that was removing of flipping ancient, which should be like a national park, ancient biome that there's so little of this type of prairie left. The, the, um, the airport literally bulldozed half of what was left in the whole state. Like, there's no reason this shouldn't have been a park. And they got to it. And now, and then when that hit, the, the governor got away with saying one thing about it, you know. And then they bulldozed the prairie and the it's called Belleville Prairie in Rockford Airport. It'll come right up on all the news. And that was just, like, devastating. So what we're saying is, like, public funded entities you know are doing this they're going to be the ones responsible for for eco side activities that was i went i went to rockford for that demonstrated outside their city hall i was just so compelled wanted to visit my friend and my friends in chicago my best my besties from akron U. 
Instagram comments isn't enough for Deb Holland to protect wolves. Yeah, absolutely. So I, on top of that, I wanted to ask you. Um, back on. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you on top of that. Um, what is, like, what is um, actions or, you know, changes in our lifestyle that people can do on a regular basis to be more sustainable? And I know you mentioned a little bit, like, buying more organic stuff. But what, what are other, like, you know, at the larger level actions that people can do on a larger scale on a daily day life? to like be more sustainable. Oh sure. Oh sure. Well, I mean, there's there's this multiple layers of um <clears throat> just so much like the um you know, the biggest contributors to deforestation are cattle grazing, palm oil and GMO soy. So I think if you're getting, you know, getting a good you're going to make a good dent um in your footprint by you know being um conscious of that and i'm really on the fence about how there could be any sustainable palm oil but i know even the organic from colombia could still be involved with you know displacing lands displacing people from their lands and so there's a lot of internal displacement from palm oil like or you know i hope it's gotten better i mean but in terms of uh that and I, I'm plant-based myself. Uh, the um, you know the meat-free Monday or factory farm-free Friday I think are like baseline that we could do better than these certain agriculture practices. And like I just know that once you get once you get involved with the um, The land uses, you know, will be storing carbon in the, the biobanks out there, flipping, <clears throat> not having a problem once our once our lands and soils are generated better. So, um, you know, me personally, yeah, I have uh, I have the hemp protein in the mix, um, but uh, you know, the the buy local campaigns are also very very compelling on. Um, you know, how much fresher food you can get and lower footprints and stuff like that. There's uh, also this, there's some um, eat less for earth that I saw online and they're just saying like that the processing of food is really intense with um, emissions. And um, so depending on, you know, you know, what we do the, the zero waste lifestyle, I, um, You know, I, I rely on like a lot of salvage, like um, saving stuff from the waste stream. I've been collecting aluminum cans at events and um, produce from behind uh, the grocery stores. And, you know, so it's, it's very doable to lower your footprint and I, I wish I, I need to be biking, busing and walking more, you know, uh, there's a lot of ways Absolutely, to do that. Yeah. But I was, I mean, that's one of the best times I had was I got to do a demonstration with uh, Akron, my Akron auntie, Chrissy Hine from the Pretenders. And we helped support the bus system in Summit County. Yeah, that's why uh, one of the biggest things in Cleveland, I'm very open and you know huge with public transportation so i've been taking the rapid the bus for years now um and i'm part of a clevelanders for public transportation we've been large oh, group of great. they're great people they do great work so that's another one um, that is pretty good you know it, it, it helps just being more environmentally friendly um if you can walk to the corner store instead of driving or if you can just ride a bike to work which i do every every often um you know but yeah um Other question is how do how do you um, how do you see the advancement the advancements in technology? Do you think that technology can help us to have a more environmental future or protect the environment somehow, like technology itself? Well, I think since if people you know, it's 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 here and there. I mean the uh, the like. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, stuff like let go and the whole circular economy, I think, is, you know, making prosperous use of some of these these get rid of things platforms. And so, you know, I, I think that's that's working out good. But the uh, I know the Food Strong Cleveland Gardening Group and and the Hunger Network, I think, are working on apps that'll help you find surplus produce or help you donate uh, so that stuff doesn't get thrown away. Um, but by and large, I mean, uh, yeah, I got some good ideas. I mean, uh, the March for electrified vehicles, I guess California is electrifying their fleets around their ports and it's going to be like major and because um, all the port pollution has been you know one of the worst sources and uh, just with that I mean this whole time we've been saying you know filter the dirty diesel engines and but apparently there's still dirty diesels on the road and you know believe it or not yeah, there's a lot. I know I know people that actually, for some reason, still drive, like, diesel trucks. Like, their personal vehicle is a diesel vehicle, which is like, oh, my gosh. Why, 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 why okay. even bother? Like, it's so expensive. And on top of that, it's just so hurtful to the planet. Like, get alive. But whatever. They don't want to get alive, I guess. Well, these filters were supposed to work. Yeah, so, one, uh, you know, since we talk about technology, I wanted to ask, how... Uh, how do you envision sustainable, like sustainability in a future, like for our society? Uh, more, you know, the United States is one of the most wasteful countries. How do you envision sustainability in our country? Like, I don't know, thirty years from now, forty years from now. Well, I see us being finally, like, if we can focus on, you know, cleaning up what we've already done. And I, I just, I'm not full on um, for, I, I'm, I'm full on for a lot of the good goals that you could say, um, you know, but I don't, I, I, in the near future, like, like, okay, I'll go over, like, I guess, and like, as future stuff I've been thinking about is like, you know, 30 by 30 has been this, this thing, oh, we're going to protect, protect 30% of our land. And under the way it is now, you can have like leaded shot on public lands and be like spreading lead in the environment that's hurting all these bald eagles and, and um, you know, trapping on public lands. They're not protecting our public lands enough. So just saying that it's public isn't, you know, fully enough. Um, you know, so I'd be much more comfortable with like, I think we've got some hardworking people, but, you know, with, you know, having like Harrison Ford be like the national parks guy, I think I would actually trust that he wants to keep them all, you know, looking nice and preserved and stuff. Um, but I mean, the, the move towards climate resilient for a, toward a climate resilient future, it's just, we're going to have a lot of, uh, Um, <clears throat> need to, to stop the water wars, you know, the, I just think that, well, well, you know, if we don't have efficiency by soon, <laughs> then they're going to, you know, have to make some difficult, we're going to make some difficult sacrifices, I think, with the, to, um, you know, you know, it's, it's lawns that are using a lot of water. So I think, you know, people will move towards what Minnesota has, which is what they're, they have an incentives program that supports you, like, planting over your lawn and uh, planting no-mo gardens. And so I think, you know, the easy stuff, I think we're going to get a lot of the easy stuff done, but the, the um, like the, uh, you know, the food waste and um, 
so some of the what was I saying like all the easy stuff like uh There's a lot of challenges. I'm actually stumped right now. With how much, oh, the future, thinking this far into the future, like 2040. Yeah, um, no, I think I think we'll have biodegradable materials. I think as long as we stay focused on biodegradable materials and um, reducing our wastes and footprints, um, you know, we can have affordable housing with these fabric bricks and these plastic bricks and these these different recovered materials and. Yeah, I was looking. I'm just I went so to glad. A, there is a lot of good news that they can filter phthalates or get rid of uh, PFAS somehow. Like I do think that you know the advancements that are here are are pretty positive. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I went to to a restaurant yesterday in downtown Cleveland, a, a bar actually, and they when they gave me utensils and you know they were. Biodegradable plates and biodegradable like fork knives. So I thought it was really cool. I mean, even the paper was like the biodegradable like napkins and stuff. So I, I <laughs> for, for you know, it was a small establishment. So I thought, wow, this is for I can't even remember the name of it, but for a small establishment in Cleveland, it was like this is so impressive. Then they had like you know all these biodegradable items, which I mean, you know, big places don't even have. So it was um, I was very impressed by it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that if, um, you know, there's there's certain, you know, ordinances that could be passed about, uh, you know, drive through lanes and uh, how much to go materials are, you know, a place is like licensed to, you know, produce so many to go materials. I mean, it's the darndest thing, but, you know, the plastic cups you think would be the biggest contributor of Starbucks's footprint when it's actually the, the dairy from for all their drinks. And so what was I was what was the national campaign that we're gonna be doing an Akron an Akron action for in uh, October is uh, to stop the upcharge on the vegan milks so that they're not so that they're actually you know supporting reducing emissions like it's it's a significant source of their emissions yeah, absolutely so i wanted to also ask you since you know you do all the environmental activism uh, a lot of the times do you think um we've seen environmental activists like uh for example in the uk we've seen stub oil um you know they go in the middle of highways close highways they i seen lately they just glue themselves to uh different like locations do you think are those effective ways to protest are they like more do they did they take the attention away from what the protest is about? <clears throat> well, I, I, it's such an important. I thank you so much for because I, I do want to get that off my chest. It has been bothering me that I I never support. I will never support the shutting down of the roads and blocking the roads because it's just been so backfiring, and it creates just so much animosity, and it's gotten panned. You know, it's been widespread panned that it's not helping and you know we don't want people idling their cars period like so stopping the traffic flow you know unless it's just just to walk past with your banner at least gets the banner seen you know you know you're there at least you're there for the car because they don't have to be stopped you know so i i but i agree with you know making a a scene in public places which sometimes these like natural history museums and these zoos, for instance, might be like the kind of public institution that should be, you know, supporting the latest campaign of the day. And I know the UK has a big issue with their sewage. And that's probably the biggest, you know, one of the biggest, um, you know, with the popular support. There's a lot of sewage monitors in the UK. And, and I support shout outs to... Um, what I just read about um, needing better ocean protected areas in Ireland, I read about that in New Zealand, they have an important ban on live exports of animals that they're trying to make sure it doesn't get overturned. I mean, there's so many good, good things. Like this is the, um, you know, things that, uh, that people, that angles that you can take, you know, like, but 
with the um <clears throat> with the um wild horse roundups for instance like they're chasing down they're using all this energy to transport the horses and drive the helicopters and transport the horses off range and trap them and um whereas uh you know the leaving them be you know could be one of the options for our public lands given that i guess that they're leasing they're leasing to cattle grazing without following the NEPA review process. So it's like they're not even following the process that had public comment for the environment. There's a lot of people wanting to investigate the Bureau of Land Management's um, grazing allotments programs in that regard. And I follow um, Climate <clears throat> climate Elf and Reality Checks with Stacy Lee, S-T-A-C-I. And, and they introduced me to this whole uh, you know, sea turtles and wolves and horses and I just, it just doesn't get any better. You know, the, the biodiversity we have, I think people get really passionate about it. And, you know, the, we, we want to stop the war on the predators, coyotes and wolves that the USDA pays people to kill like 50,000 coyotes and 20,000 beavers a year. And I really want to give a shout out to the Western Watersheds organization. They got a pro-beaver campaign that's saying that their effect on riparian areas is, is beneficial for the ecosystem and supports like broader ecosystems with the, the bogs and stuff that they support. And just sweet stuff like that, that, you know, you can tap in with, um, you know, Project Coyote or Defenders of Wildlife and you know, get get going. But on the justice issues, with the environmental justice issues, I wanted to shout out to um, the sugarcane burning analysis in Florida. I mean, this is this is creating emissions. That these agricultural burns are doing as much atmosphere damage as the, the forest fires. So shout out to Palm Beach County. I think they've showed me a lot about you know grassroots campaigning. They've got a huge coalition in there. Uh, to stop breathing in the, the sugarcane field burns in the Everglades agriculture area and um, the uh, Stop ETO in Lake County, Michigan. I mean, Lake County, Illinois. Uh, they're just just on the forefront of cleaner air and have like, you know, have like a Hispanic, I have a, a, a you know, a Spanish language Justicia uh, campaign that's available too with some campaigners. So it's really, um, you know, moved with some of the regional things here in the Great Lakes, but also shout out <laughs> to um, all this other stuff. I don't know what, there are any other things going on uh, nationally my, that you can touch on nationally. Not to my knowledge, nationally, I do know we have, uh, you know, as we mentioned before, the uh, Cadell Park is currently one of the biggest ones in Cleveland. Um and, you know, we're both involved in that. I'll leave all in the description of the podcast. I'll leave more information for people to uh, follow through and stuff. I wanted to ask you lastly on this one. Um, you're big in environmental and all that stuff. So I want to ask you what drive you and what encouraged you to become an environmentalist and an environmental activist? Well, um, I guess I just had like... You know, I had some realizations in my life that were just like, just felt like revelations that were like, you know, um, just, just, just been, I, well, I guess, you know, it's, it's part of my past, but like, I mean, I was interested you know, in high school and like Dave Matthews band. And, you know, I grew up, you know, in the late nineties, you know, cause I'm 41. So the, um, you know, Dave Matthews band and then Woody Harrelson was doing this simple organic living tour. And I thought about like, wow, it sounds so appealing, simple, organic living. I mean, it was like, if he hadn't done that, I don't know if I would have like figured that out. And like, Alicia Silverstone also credits him as like opening up the doors for her, you know, healthy lifestyle um, branding that she's got going with, with PETA and Garden of Life. And I just, so I adore, you know, him. And so it was just kind of like, 
I don't know, just like the hippie culture, just the hippie culture of it. And when I went to OU and saw people like rummaging for for cardboard, they were part of this like either like rural action. I love. I mean, that was one of my early influencers. Rural action in Athens, Ohio, and it's just that they would do, you know, all these like resilient things to support the land. I got to plant sustainable forestry and ginseng to help landowners. Um, you know, make money off their forested land sustainably by growing ginseng and golden seal and stuff and just connecting with stuff like that. I just think, you know, and it just kept snowballing where, you know, and the whole hemp stuff with with the legalized movement and and I have like a kind of sustainability angle to that. So it's been it's been going strong. I mean, and one of my one of my old school Akron friends was aboard the Sea Shepherd, uh, and she had she came back to town with like stories about that, and we did like a, a art show at, like in Highland Square to benefit the whales, you know, a long time ago. So I've been I just trying to stay steadily, you know, following like a science wonkish background, but no, ever since Al Gore and Bush were running against each other, and we we're just like, I've been, you know, because. Because Bush was the polluters president and the Halliburton president, and I'm I'm you know it was um, Molly Ivins Bush Bushwhacked book that goes into like just immense detail of what Halliburton was doing to like Costa Rica and Bush family involvement with this polluting shit, and so you know that it's so I've been going strong and and we're on track. I mean we're I hopefully we'll have another victory with the, the local park but you know with the the fracking our state parks with the farm bill you know that you know there's multiple layers to make a difference right now so that is um th- that is awesome to hear. On me. that was inspiring platform one but that is that, that is awesome to hear i thought i was the only dave matthews fan um dave matthews band fan <laughs> I, i talked to a friend about it uh, i think like three weeks ago and he when i mentioned it, he goes like who and i'm like oh yeah i listened to like music from from back in the day not the newer stuff so i'm I'm glad to find that someone else listened to dave matthew's band still not just me uh but yeah i don't have it like yeah. any more questions or anything anything, oh, for you, real. Want, anything yeah. you want to add to um you know everything we have talked anything you want to add sure sure i'm like i think that um You know, I got to meet the EPA director, you know, on the environment. I, I was I was at the City Club of Cleveland and and I had my Roundup herbicide sign and I mentioned to him about the sugar in Florida using it. And so I just yeah, just to stay to stay rugged, to stay, you know, to stay on it and and look at those opportunities where you can insert the the subject matters you're passionate about. You know, and 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 pick an animal, and pick a committee, and pick a polluter, and and like adopt that you know polluter as your baby, you know, so that you know, and they'll bring they'll bring like passions to our lives. So, thank you so much, Juan. I mean, absolutely. Wow. Thank you, thank wow. you for jumping into This the podcast really and and you know talking with me. Um, we will immediately, you know, get when we get this out. I think we will get a good amount of people to at least join us at the Cadell Park um, environment group. And I think that's one of the primary ones that I would love that I would love to see people going to right now since it's so important for the Cleveland community. So if you know if you're a listener from Cleveland, please do join us at Cadell Park. Uh, there's a safe Cadell Park uh, and friends of Cadell Park group and uh, on Facebook. So join in and you know get to know the people in there. Yes, what a gorgeous little pocket park of serenity that is. It's just, and it's already so small. The fact that they want more of it, and a lot of it is just so, it would just be so devastating if, if these, so, and, and we will have to be on, because on, the injunction only goes till October 30th, so we'll, we'll have to be on our tiptoes yeah, we have as to October, during October. Yeah, we have to immediately. So, muchas gracias, Juan. Means a lot. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me uh, today, and I, you know, I hope to plan more things in the future.
Yeah, it's great work with the Politics Podcast. I um, already listened to Chad and Priscilla from Sensible Movement Coalition, and I'm, I'm working on uh, Chad's other one, but I can't wait to check out the rest of them. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for uh, also listening to all of it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Political and Juan Collado Diaz is a Spotify original from Anchor.fm and Chuck Nuttis approved. Right, Chuck? Chuck Norris approved.